Good evening, everyone. This is Michael Henderson again, owner of PresForecast.com. Uh, even though I did uh, just uh, release a preview of this podcast, and, and believe it or not, I've had to write podcast down because every time I start recording, for whatever reason, I forget the word podcast. Uh, but I did just do a preview of what you would be seeing uh, coming from me, and I decided to just go ahead and, and get this really going. Uh, so tonight, we're going to talk about the election. The election is over. Uh, sorry about my phone going off right then. Uh, sometimes you have these issues. Uh, but I, I've been in the, the forecasting, I don't know, business uh, since about 2012. Uh, when I actually, um, on an old blog uh, back where I used to live in Nebraska, 2012, I actually predicted that Obama... Um, would pick up 332 electoral college votes and I hit the money on that one. So I thought, hey, this is something I can do. This is something I'm, apparently I'm, I'm actually really good at. And then 2016 rolled around. Um, but I, I can live in the fantasy that everyone missed that forecast. Uh, so 2020 was a chance uh, to regain that composure. Uh, and essentially how I do my forecast is I just take averages of polls. Uh, I generally try to do the last two weeks in any given state. Um, and then basically just go off of the averages for the rest of the states to make my projections. But when we're looking at the Electoral College, uh, you can generally just ignore almost every single other state outside of what I'm now calling the 11 battleground states. Uh, this year I called them the swing states. Don't really see them as swing states anymore. Uh, they're more battleground states. And outside of those 11, which I will get to in here in just a few minutes, uh, really the other 39 states, the way the electoral college is set up just simply does not matter. Sorry, Oklahoma. Sorry, Arkansas. Um, sorry, New York and California, but you really don't matter when it comes to electoral college yes your votes do go into it and it does come to go to a winner of that state but really the election comes down to about 11 states and in the last two elections 2016 and 2020 it's come down to three states pennsylvania michigan and wisconsin uh, in 2016 donald trump was able to win the election by winning those three states which um had been considered the blue wall for Democrats, uh, but he did win th all three of those states. He won them, uh, if I remember correctly, by a total of about 75,000 votes. Uh, so in what is commonly called the freest country in the world, 75,000 people in three states decided the election for 350 million Americans. Uh, but that is neither here nor there. And that may be an episode that I record later. Uh, about just how bad the electoral college is and ways we can fix it. Um, but I will go ahead and say this, and I'm going to stop trying to say um as much as possible. But the easiest way to put the electoral college in perspective, you're never going to get rid of it. The only way you can get rid of the electoral college is with a constitutional amendment. Uh, there's not a vote, enough votes in Congress. There's not enough votes in the states to do that. So you have to find other ways to take the teeth out of electoral college. But again, that is for another time. 
uh, another podcast that I'll record at another time. Having said that, to swing back to my original point from um, earlier in, in this podcast, so I'll do that. Uh, I apologize for these stumbles. I, I promise as I get going and do this more and more, I will hopefully get better. But the election is over. Uh, I, I, I apologize to the Trump supporters out there, but the election is over. Joe Biden has won. Uh, he wins with a margin of 306 electoral votes to 232 for Donald Trump. Going into this election, it was widely believed, and believed correctly, that the easiest way for Biden to win election and defeat Donald Trump, he had to win back Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Uh, it was believed if he did that, win those three, he would win the presidential election. Well, he did that. He won Wisconsin by about 20,000 votes, uh, similar to Trump's margin of victory in 2016. He won Pennsylvania. Uh, when it's all said and done, it's going to be well over 50,000, uh, which is actually more than Donald Trump's margin in um, 2016. But the big one is Michigan. He won Michigan by 150,000 votes, which dwarfs uh, the the margin that Trump had in 2016. But Biden was able to pad that lead by winning Arizona uh, with its 11 electoral votes uh, by about 12,000, a little less than 12,000 votes, and also picking up Georgia. Uh, roughly, at last count, looks to be about 24,000 votes, maybe 14,000. My math may be off on that. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But not only did he pick up Georgia and Arizona uh, for the five states that he was able to flip blue this time around, he was able to pick up Nebraska Congressional District 2, uh, which encapsulates Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, If you remember back to 2008, this is a district that uh, Barack Obama also won. So it is becoming a swingy district, a battleground district. Uh, We'll just have to wait until the next election to see if it swings back to the Republicans or stays with the Democrats. Uh, Trump was able to maintain his win in Maine's Congressional District 2. It looks like Maine's Congressional District 2, which used to be a stronghold for the Democrats, looks like it is uh, quickly becoming a stronghold for Republicans. Now, when we look at the 11 battleground states, and these are states that I've decided were battleground states for this election. We have the traditional battleground states of Florida, North Carolina, New Hampshire, Ohio, Iowa, uh, and then we have the new swing states of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, and then the new potential swing states this year, Arizona, Texas, and Georgia. Now, that is 11. Uh, Biden was able to win six of those swing states and the Congressional District 2, as I previously mentioned. Trump won five of the swing states and Maine's Congressional District 2. Something interesting to look at this uh, in the traditional swing battleground states of Florida, North Carolina, New Hampshire, Ohio, and Iowa. Trump won all but New Hampshire. 
Uh, so as I go forward into the future, looking at this, uh, when I start forecasting for 2024, which I promise you is just around the corner, uh, I may not be looking at as many of the traditional battleground states. New Hampshire definitely seems to be a blue stronghold at this point. Iowa certainly looks to be a red strong point at this point. Uh, and Ohio seems to be looking like becoming a traditional, dependable red state. Now, the other two states, uh, Florida and North Carolina, just don't know yet on those two states. Uh, even though President Trump did win Florida fairly comfortable, um, by almost 500,000 votes, uh, it's still within that swingy battleground area. And North Carolina, he only won uh, by about two percentage points. So I'm, I'm still wishy-washy on retiring North Carolina and Florida, but it looks like Ohio, at the very least, Ohio, New Hampshire, and Iowa, no longer battleground states at this point. Um, when we look at the new traditional, the, the new swing battleground states, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, we're just going to have to wait until 2024. Uh, Biden won these fairly comfortable by very uh, fairly comfortable margins um, or as Trump called them in 2016 landslides and then when we look at the potential new swing states of Arizona, Texas and Georgia Biden was able actually to win two of them uh, Texas still is just out of reach for Democrats um Feels like now every election since 2008, um, Democrats think they can win Texas. It just doesn't look like it at this point. Um, but uh, take a quick break so I can take a drink and then I will carry on. All right, forecasters, if you haven't heard about Anchor, and by now you should have. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain a few details. First of all, it's free. It's never going to cost you anything to make a podcast on Anchor FM. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can also make money straight from your podcast with no minimum uh, listenership. And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Now, if you're interested in making your own podcast like I've been doing and like some of my friends and family have been doing, you need to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Okay, and uh, welcome back. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me for clearing my throat. I should have done that before the recording. Anyways, moving on. Uh, so, when I was looking at the polls this year, it seemed like an obvious runaway victory for Joe Biden. Uh, in fact, my final projection, based on the polling the day before the election, I thought it was going to end up uh, with a Biden win of 351 to 187, where the polls did actually miss. Uh, was Florida, North Carolina, and Maine Congressional District 2. 
Now, you, you think of all the averages out there. I mean, you think of the 11 specifically that I was looking at. Hitting correct on 8 of them, 8 out of the 11, that is actually a fairly good job by the pollsters. Um, despite what you've been probably hearing in the media, uh, no matter what media you listen to or watch, uh, they were once again saying the polling was really bad this year. It wasn't. It, it just wasn't. They were actually fairly decent. Uh, but as I was watching on election night, uh, I'm sure, excuse me, I'm sure myself, along with other Democrats, I am a Democrat, uh, just had a sinking feeling in our stomach that Trump was going to be able to pull this off again. Uh, but I continued watching coverage late into election night. It was Wednesday morning by the time I finally had enough and went to bed. But as I was looking at the trends on the maps, just how everything was looking at that point, what was called, what wasn't, uh, who had leads and what states, I made a new projection uh, that I posted. I believe I just posted it on Facebook. I thought I'd put, uh, posted it on my website, but I'm not seeing it anymore. So maybe I forgot to do so. I don't know. Uh, but I did make a new projection sometime late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, that I believed by the end of the day, by the end of the election, when everything was called, everything was done, that Biden would end up winning 306 to 232. Uh, so I will take credit on that. Uh, whether or not it's deserved, I don't really care. I think it's deserved. Uh, so I'm accepting it. So, here's the thing. This election was never in question. Yeah, the media did do their best to make it seem exciting and, and that it was going to come down to the wire and there was a potential that they would both end up at 269 apiece, which would be a tie, and then would have to go to the House of Representatives to, to break that tie, but it was never going there. Um, it, as, I, as I just said, it was fairly clear on election night where this was headed, and it was headed uh, for a Biden uh, victory. And if you listen to Trump in 2016, when he won the Electoral College, 306 to 232, he called it a landslide. One of the biggest landslides of all time. And then he switched that and said in modern history. Uh, it wasn't either one. Um, but you go by his definition, then Biden won by a landslide. But let's take a little bit of a different tack on this. Let's look at the overall popularity vote, which means absolutely nothing when it comes to electing a president. That's the way this country does it. We already talked about it in the last segment. I'm not really going to do it again. Uh, but to this point, with millions of votes still left uh, to count, uh, you know, California's uh, only at 97%, New York is only at 84% of their counting. Um, so there are still millions of votes out there to be counted. Uh, Biden is currently sitting at just over 78 million votes. Donald Trump is sitting at just under 73 million votes. So Donald Trump, uh, in this election did receive the second most votes of all time in presidential elections. Uh, but Biden is approaching 80 million. I don't know if he's going to have enough steam to, to to get to 80 million, but it's a possibility. Uh, and that 
my friends, in modern U.S. election history, that is a landslide. Uh, he right now is sitting at 50.8% of the popular vote. Uh, this is the highest percent total uh, for a challenger to an incumbent since uh, I believe 1932 um, when uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt almost hit 60%. Um, but So this is the second highest. Uh, the second highest previously was Ronald Reagan when he won 50.7% of the popular vote. Biden has passed him by that, that tenth of a percent. And he could potentially get up to 51%. Uh, so as much as Republicans and Donald Trump want to say, hey, we got 73 million votes. Yeah, you did. Congratulations. That's 5 million votes less than the winner got. Um, so I guess you got that feather in your cap, but this is the first time in American history that a person who has run for president twice and won one of them has lost the, and let me rephrase that to make a little bit more sense. This is the first time in American history that someone has won the presidency, um, and then gone on to re-election and lost the popular vote both times. It's never been done before. Uh, usually, if you use, lose the popular vote, you use the you lose the electoral college. But this has happened four other times in American history, um, not counting the 2016 election. There was the 2000 election um, that still sticks in the craw of of many people, especially the way the Supreme Court decided that the election was over. A lot of people felt it wasn't their decision to make. But this isn't uh, really anything new. Uh, but again, I'll do another podcast uh, uh, just on the Electoral College at another time. But the polls were not wrong. Well, the polls were wrong. But they weren't wrong by a lot. And, and here's the thing to remember. The polls are almost always wrong to an extent. Uh, they may under uh, count someone or overcount someone, uh, but they're always going to be wrong by a certain amount of points. In 2016, if you look just at the nationwide vote between uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, the, the average polling actually got it pretty much correct. They predicted a Clinton win of 3%, and that's about what she won by. It was a little bit under that. But where the issue is, really, is state polling. Uh, we still haven't figured out you know, the pollsters. I'm not going to say we. I don't, I don't do polls. I just look at them. Um, it, it seems like they still haven't figured out how to do polling in the states. Uh, because sometimes there's really big misses, and what isn't really talked about are the big misses, huge misses, are usually in the states easily won by the candidates, the, the states that are usually expected to break a candidate's way. Um, in, in more podcasts to come, um, I'll break down some of those polls where uh, a poll said that 
candidate was going to win the state they were supposed to win by, let's say, 5%. They ended up winning by 15%. That's a 10% miss, but it's never talked about because it's not in one of the swingy uh, battleground states. Typically in the swing or battleground states, uh, the polls are usually kind of close, but there are misses. Florida was a miss this year um, by a pretty healthy margin. North Carolina was a miss this year, but only by a couple of percentage points. Maine Congressional District 2 was a pretty big miss. Um, and I, I do think this has a lot to do with Trump. Uh, that's why I'm interested in the runoff that's going to happen in Georgia in January, uh, also in 2022, and then in 2024, depending on what Trump does. I, I think a lot of what we saw in 2016 or in 2020 were people that were really motivated to vote for Trump. Uh, if you look at the 2018 midterm election, uh, by any other definition, it was a blue tsunami. Uh, they, you know, they talk about blue waves where Democrats pick up Democrats pick up a lot of states, or a red wave when Republicans pick up a lot of states or a lot of votes. But 2018 was an absolute tsunami for the Democratic Party, uh, especially in the House of Representatives. And in my opinion, it's because Donald Trump was not on the ticket. So that motivation to get out there and vote wasn't there for uh, Trump supporters. You look at 2016 and 2020, the motivation was there and they came out. Uh, As I previously stated, he's sitting at just shy of 73 million votes. Uh, It looks like it just updated again. Um, Still just shy about... mm, 380,000 votes shy of 73 million votes, he'll get there. I think, personally. Uh, like I said, there's many votes still out there, so he's likely to get to 73. Alright, and the reason there's a pause here is because I completely just lost my train of thought of where I was. Uh, so I'm going to take a break. Uh, we'll come back and I remember where I was. Okay, so I, I, I finally remember where I was. Um, I was talking about the Trump effect. Um, in January, there is there are two runoffs in Georgia. Um, it is a tip, uh, it has become a tipping point state as far as the Senate. Uh, if the Democrats can somehow manage to win both of those elections, there will be a 50-50 tie uh, in the Senate. And then Vice President-elect Kamala Harris will be the deciding um, vote, which means the Democrats will have the power in the Senate. Um, I'm hopeful that the Democrats can pick up one of those seats, uh, but I think it's doubtful that they pick up both. But again, this goes back to the Trump effect. With him not being on the ticket, will Georgia Republicans, especially uh, those excited uh, to vote for Trump, will they have enough of an emphasis, enough of the want to go out and vote again and vote for the two Republicans? That is yet to remain. That is, that's as I stumble over my, 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 my words here, that remains to be seen. 
Now, where it's going to be interesting is 2022 and then 2024, where it's potential. There's a potential if uh, the Trump train does what happened in 2018, then you're looking at another potential blue wave or blue tsunami. And then in 2024, does he run again? Uh, does he go off into the sunset? If he doesn't run again and we go, and he goes back to basically a normal election, um, if Democrats get the voters out, as they did this year, is that going to be a sweep for Democrats in 2024? Uh, if Trump is still around and, and he's trying to get people out to vote, will the Trump supporters, Trump voters, will they still come out even if he's not on the ticket? That's going to be the big question in the elections to come. Um, simple fact is, right now, we don't know. We won't know until 2022 or in 2024. Uh, if we get to those elections and we see the the excited Trump voter kind of fall to the wayside and, and stay home instead of going out to vote, then we will know that 2016 and 2020 were unique elections. Um, it's been stated time and time again, uh, in really in the last month, that it was felt that Joe Biden was the only candidate that could beat Trump. And I happen to agree with that. Uh, I had my choices during the Democratic primary who I thought I wanted to support that I did support. Uh, Mayor Pete was one of those. Uh, Beto O'Rourke was another. But when I look back on it, when I look at everything that's going on in this country, Joe Biden was the only person, um, the only candidate that could have beaten Donald Trump. And he did it handedly. And the polls were mostly correct. This election was over election night. Even though the last two races were called today, the election was over on election night. It, it just was. There was not going to be any surprises uh, for Trump and picking up a state that he shouldn't, uh, that wasn't expected. Uh, it's just the way it is. So, that is it for my first night uh, and for my first podcast. Um, again, as I go into the future, uh, I want to plan these out better. I just wanted to get something out there for people to listen to hear my my lovely soothing baritone voice that's a joke insert a laugh here um but yeah as i move forward uh, I, I plan on making these a lot better a lot more planned out um and to stop saying um so many times i do apologize for that but the main thing my next episode i'm really going to focus on the Electoral College, because I personally could probably talk for hours on the Electoral College, why it is antiquated uh, and wrong for our time, how it's tied to slavery, and how we can't actually get rid of it, but we can take the teeth out of it and have a very successful election. We are the only country that elects our presidents by using this kind of system. I don't like it. A lot of people don't like it. It doesn't make a lot of sense how, especially in 2016, 79,000 people roughly overrode the vote of literally millions of people. 
and elected someone who got less votes and wasn't very popular and never became popular. But that's that's just me. You're free to disagree. This is the United States of America, after all. We don't have to agree on our politics. We just have to listen. And thank you for listening tonight. This is Michael Hendricks signing off.